Welcome to the Creativity Reflections podcast, a podcast all about your creative expression. I'm your host, Hannah Fitzgibbon, creativity coach, and I'm here to help unblock your creativity. My guest today is Courtney Gines, and she is a creative storyteller. She does this through improvisation, comedy, writing, painting, lots of different mediums. You can kind of tell from the way she creates it, she has many ideas, so many ideas all the time. In our conversation today, we talk about how do you choose the next project? How do you know what you should be working on? And we also talk about how you know the difference between when to start ideation and when to start executing on a project. Courtney has a really strong creative practice of journaling every day. And we started this conversation talking about journals that Courtney had been making after her favorite journal company shut down and how that has informed her creative process. Yes, so I made my first notebook. Here's black is like purple. Oh, cool. Very William Morris feeling. It is. It is. Did you enjoy the process? I did enjoy the process. I struggled a little bit to choose what patterns I wanted to use for the cover. It felt like a really big deal. (laughs) (laughs) But but once I got past that, um, I, I, I hate machine sewing, but I don't mind sewing by hand. So it was meditative just you know, to measure, to just kind of slowly go hole by hole. And as I was sewing it, I was having a chat with my mom. So it was like a nice vibe to just be peacefully sewing while talking. I enjoyed, I enjoyed that part. I, I can write on lined paper if I'm forced to, but I, I really prefer, I kind of need the freedom of a blank paper because sometimes I write, sometimes I draw Um, and I don't, I don't like to be, (laughs) I don't like to be constrained. Sometimes a doodle just has to come out and it doesn't feel right on lined paper. Yes. You know? Yeah. (laughs) But yeah, so thank you for recommending. That was, you gave me the push I needed and now I have the skill and a notebook of the exact dimensions that lays flat that I have been missing so dearly this whole time. I could have just been making them myself. (laughs) that's so cool um so how does it feel to you when you're working with your hands when you're making stuff how does that differ from the way that you make things when you're doing your comedy or your improv or performative kind of work Hmm, that's an interesting question because obviously I mean I'm choosing things like I'm choosing the paper for the cover and the color for the binding but it feels like it comes from a different place. Like I'm, I don't feel like I'm expressing myself or some deeper thing. Like it's more, I'm more in my senses. Like it's, it's more meditative and I'm, I'm maybe more present cause I'm, I'm, you know, using my sense of touch to feel the paper and, and uh, noticing how I like how certain colors make me feel. That was one thing I noticed with the second notebook I made. I was trying to choose the color for the string and there was one color that when I laid it against the book, it just gave me like a visceral reaction of like, Ooh, yes. (laughs) And so I chose that string. Um, So maybe this is probably a good, it's like a practice practice. (laughs) 
to get into a practice like this where I'm more in touch with my senses in my body and can feel like, oh, yes, like this string, this binding really wants this deep red string, maybe practicing being in my body to like make those kinds of decisions might might help when I'm, you know, writing or doing stuff that's a little more heady and puts me more in my imagination. I, I, yeah, I don't know. I wonder if I could like use lessons from this kind of practice to put into that. But yeah, I would say when I'm making physical stuff, yeah, I just feel more present and more in my body. It feels more meditative and less expressive. Yeah. I'm curious about this because one of the big questions we've been circling around and it, it's possibly where we started when we first started working together was what should I do next? Like I've got all these ideas and what project should I be doing or what genre should I be choosing? I notice every time we talk that you've got such a diverse range of interests, which is actually really beautiful. And it's so interesting to like tug at that thread of curiosity a little bit and being like, why are you drawn to this? What, what is working there for you? Is it a clue that there's something bigger there or is it a clue that that is complementary to this other thing and it actually shows you, you know, sometimes asking what you want is hard to answer, but asking what you don't want is really easy. Mm. There's, there's something in this comparison, right? Yeah. Um, and so when I hear you saying things like, oh, it's meditative and it's in my body and I feel like I'm doing stuff and it's maybe nice for refining decision-making or editing, but I don't feel like I'm expressing myself. That light and that excitement and joy that I do hear when you talk about some of your storytelling or some of your performative stuff, it's almost in that contrast. Yeah, I enjoy this, but it's not sparking me that gives us a clue around how to answer that question of what should I do next? Right. Yeah. Yeah, that is true. That is that is a good point. Yeah, it's easier to answer what you don't want. <laughs> <laughs> that is true. I definitely don't feel that spark of light or life or like feeling alive when I'm doing it. And that's actually something I've been keeping track of over the past week or two is I'm trying to notice what makes me really excited or what makes my heart beat a little bit faster. And I'm trying to write it down and kind of find the threads, I guess. Mm. Um, I, I don't know if we talked about this last time, but I am obsessed with this documentary on Netflix called We Are the Champions. And in the first episode, it's, it follows the this young woman who runs in this cheese rolling race where they, 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 I don't know if you've heard of this, they roll a giant wheel of cheese down a very steep hill and then everybody just tumbles and chases after it. And I mean, I was like cheering and laughing and the end I was like moved to tears. I mean, I am just obsessed with <laughs> this 30 minute documentary about this girl who's cheese roll racing. I just think because she's so in her element and just out there in nature. And it's such a like rowdy, irreverent, joyful thing to do for no purpose other than to just have obscene amounts of fun running down a hill, tumbling down a hill. Her name is Florence Early, the cheese roll racer. And I thought of, I genuinely thought about printing out a picture of her and like putting it on my wall because just the spirit of like, yes, I don't know, running down it, running down a hill. Um, and uh, so, yeah, that's just one thing that I've noticed lately that that really brought so much. Um, anyway, then I was watching a video of this um, uh, musician named. Taimani, I believe. She's like an amazing like 
virtuoso on the ukulele. She like shreds the ukulele, but she also has this very beautiful performance style. <laughs> she's kind of funny. She's kind of sexy. She's just quite a character. And watching her performance also gave me that same feeling of like, I was like, yes, girl, like you go. Um, and then same thing watching this nerdy show that I watch called Cursed on Netflix where this yeah young woman is like queen of the of the fae and she finds this magical sword it, i guess it's like a it's like some sort of modern retelling of um of the sword and the stone some the arthurian legend and there was some moment i don't know what i think she like sliced some guy in half and i was like yeah you go so i think i noticed this pattern of like i just love watching women doing their thing like being in their element and i feel like that just excites me and that is probably a theme that i would want to continue to explore in, in like whatever stories that i'm dreaming up especially like you know fictional worlds or i just love seeing like women empowered to do their own you know whatever whatever is in their essence whatever they were born to do they're just like yeah i'm gonna run down a hill i'm gonna shred this ukulele i'm gonna uh, use my powerful sword to slice this guy in half. I'm just like, yeah, I love it. That loops me back to your women in Dungeons and Dragons idea as well. And I was curious to know, yeah, how you've been exploring that because that really echoes a lot of these things that you're saying. And it seems like your body is also affirming this excites me. This lights me up. I'm interested in these kind of women playing out these stories. Yeah. Yeah, so I have this idea, but I'm not sure what shape it's going to take. And I'm practicing just like allowing that to be the case because I have the tendency to kind of derive a lot of external validation from the complete of certain projects. And I want this to just be something that is natural and that I'm being is coming from like an authentic place where like I'm being myself. So it's like, I have the idea there. And when new threads emerge that are like, oh, this is one possible way you could do it. I guess I'm kind of trying to let it weave itself a little bit. Like I'm, I'm almost trying to trick it into (laughs) coming into fruition by being like, yeah, okay. Like you're their idea. I'm going to spend this, these couple of weeks or whatever, like tuning into, yeah, these moments that bring me joy and practicing like being myself and just seeing how the idea wants to come together, if that makes sense. Makes so much sense. Yeah. Like I've really been thinking a lot about resting and not necessarily resting, but like, so in, in, in improv, one of the things that we've been working with, with our coach, Uh, lately is the rest in between the beats so it's like you have to rest the game of the scene that you're playing to get the laughs in order for the next beat to get laughs you 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 have to rest it for a period of time and within that rest the most satisfying thing to do is to get as far away from the game of the scene as you can and then trust that something you will find something that will connect and inspire you to come back to play the next beat of the scene for the laugh in a in like an unexpected way that feels organic. And so I've been thinking a lot about that and just thinking about how I can apply that to the creative process and also just life too. Yes. <laughs> ah, that's so good. I haven't heard it connected into that improv but there's so many lessons right and it's all creative it's it follows the same process I think we've spoken before about the cycles of the moon phase where 
you know, just because you can't see it shining bright, just because it's a new moon doesn't mean it's not doing its thing. It's still pulling the tides. It's still helping gravity. It's still very much working. It's just not shining yet. And yet we sort of often because of this external validation, we approach our creativity like, I need to make sure I'm on the right track. I need to get that laugh. I need to finish this project. I need to schedule it out. But creativity and ideation isn't logarithmic. It's not something that you can just follow the dots and then you'll get to the solution. You have to wait for these moments of aha, these moments of connection. Like you're saying, trusting that that thing is going to come to connect all the dots. So there's this neuroscience test called Shelley Carson and she has a book called Your Creative Brain. And she talks about different ways that we align our thinking, our brain set, she calls it. And it sounds to me like you're intentionally engaging two different brain sets. One is the absorb brain set where you're literally just absorbing your surroundings. You're allowing more information in so that the secret connection might be more readily available instead of editing information out, trying to force it to be the right way. By having that like flood of input, it gives you a lot more material to work with, right? And that's really great for these early stages of this process, this preparation stage of what do I want to do with this idea? Let's flood it with all these different options and see what comes out of that. The other one is the connection brain set which says, how can I reach and look like, how can I pull the woman with the sword and the cheesemaker together and (laughs) fuse that into something new and original that is lit by my spark and my curiosity that only I can knit this together. And I know it goes together somehow, but at the moment it feels estranged. And by reaching, by allowing all this information in and then reaching far from one side to the other and pulling it together, which all kind of happens subconsciously. This isn't like an effort-based process. It's a resting process, right? Mm. We're flooding with different associations. We're pulling them together in strange ways. And in a way, we kind of sneak up from behind on the idea that needed. It's like, (laughs) this is the secret fairy door, the shortcut to where we want to go. That has to be balanced with knowing when to get into it. You already have a regular creative process. You already have a regular journaling process. It's not like you're going, oh, well, just put down this idea and forget about it. So it's got no way to tap on your shoulder. We still need a conscious route, right, to receive this information when the dots connect. And journaling is a great way to do that. Walking in nature, which I know you do as well, is a great way to do that. Driving, having a shower, all of those like really mundane but routine things where our body, our movement is occupied. Sewing your books, your notebooks. That like when you're having those meandering conversations, it's meditative. That's a receiving state where you're, you're actually allowing in resting, you're allowing your brain to catch up with all the action that's happening to look for the moment where the laugh is going to come. Yes. Ah, I I love this. Yes, I just, I love this. Because this is like truly kind of a revelation for me. <laughs> I'm not somebody who's comfortable in a position of receiving or resting or, or, or any of this. I think because it felt, it felt scary. It, it feels scary to feel like you're, I'm not okay, but I'm not moving. What am I moving towards? What, what's my goal? What's my thing that I'm working towards? And, and like, in my case, I can be very clingy with ideas, with goals, with, you know, 
you name it, <laughs> very <laughs> attached to the outcomes. So I'm kind of like quite pleased with myself that I'm like uh, learning this lesson. I'm like, oh. I find when we're learning a new way of thinking or a new way of seeing the world or a new way of gathering information, we have to kind of sit in it and fully immerse. Like um, I went through a similar phase like this when I really wanted to learn how to listen. I found myself talking, talking, talking all the time. I've got these great ideas, but actually it was limiting learning new ideas and learn the keys and the secrets that other people have learned. Right. So I had to fully immerse. Like I read books on listening. I talked to people and like made serious intentions. Like I'm going to go to this party. I'm going to really try and listen. <laughs> and then once I had sat in it and learned the skill, then I found I didn't need to linger in it as long. So I could dip in and out of it. And that's the creative part is the flexibility to switch between right? To switch between receiving and ideation and preparation and execution and knowing when that switch comes and knowing that the creative process is actually a bounce between. It's not, oh, I've done this phase now and then the next phase. You kind of do this process, have that connection, do the work to get the laugh, and then you have to rest again. Yeah. And it's not so much an outcome, it's a series of outcomes, and when we zoom out and we're like, oh, the outcome is actually just the draft of this, whatever that is, it's a stop along the way. And when we see that there are actually many outcomes and many times to pause and celebrate what we've done, but not have to seek that external validation, we can still be goal oriented, but with this dance between absorbing and connecting and executing. Yeah. Yeah. It's something that gets better with practice. But what I find is that we tend to distrust this stage of rest because it's not as impressive as execution. We don't feel as yeah. productive. We don't feel as clear in what we're doing, which is why you and I have talked a lot about uncertainty. Yeah. And this is the most uncertain part. I feel is the beginning of a project where you're like, I don't actually know if this is even going to go anywhere. There are no guarantees that that secret key is going to come or that, that the secret key is going to unlock the laugh I'm looking for or that the laugh is going to be bigger than the last laugh. And that's where the uncertainty is. But if we can shelf that and focus on this process and going, actually, I do trust because there's been many times that this has worked before and I do trust that with the research and with the work I'm doing and with these conversations I'm having with Hannah, that stuff is happening even if I can't see it, then you can rest and relax into it and do things exactly what you're doing, checking in with your body, paying attention, like slowing the process down and absorbing and going, what is my heart telling me about what excites me? What is my curiosity pulling me towards that makes my lens unique and gives me interesting connections that is different to someone else? what and you can really enjoy that because if your heart is beating faster a little more often and your curiosity is leading to you to things that genuinely interest you that process should be actually quite fun right even that idea is like new to me <laughs> and i'm having fun with that because yeah because sometimes you know you you have that 
initial moment of inspiration. But I think what happened for me in the past is then the do almost like this, like, do <laughs> I don't know that it was as dark as it's going to sound when I say it, but almost like this feeling of do it's like, now I'm doomed to bring this idea <laughs> into fruition or like, or like, Oh, I'm in pain and I have to express this idea. And it's like, I mean, ideas take all shapes and forms and sometimes it's quite painful to, to get them out and drag them out. And like, that's just like the way you have to do it, or at least, how it felt like in the past, the way that I had to do it, but it was coming from my heart. It's like, I had to do it, but it was just difficult and and challenging. And so I'm enjoying exploring the creative process from, yeah, I guess just a healthier mindset. It's possible to enjoy the process. Mm. And in fact, it's preferable. Yes. (laughs) Joy is a huge clue. Joy helps you know when stuff's working. It is one of your tools to navigating uncertainty, right? And when we take joy out of it, then we have to push or we have to like whack ahead of us with a stick and and wait for things to hit us to know that we're off track. Like both are possible. I'm not saying that there's a right way or a wrong way to create, but the way I think of it is in our current modern society where productivity is king and, you know, do, 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 we can find anything to confirm that bias. You know, we can find a million artists who say creativity finds you working and so you must show up between 11 and 3 every day. And there are all sorts of ways to do that. And there is a time to do that too. But sometimes the push to achieve the result and that outcome focus robs us of the opportunity to see that quiet, subtle delight which actually is part of what we're trying to express. And if we want to move people to joy, then forcing the thing that does that sort of seems a bit counterintuitive. It detaches us from our audience as well. Totally. It's kind of like creativity is the square peg in a round hole. It doesn't really work with what we've been taught about how to make things work through school and through this industrial model and through this production line, you know, you have to create this and you have to do it under my constraints. Whereas when we're in our own world, and especially at this stage where we're not commercial yet, we don't have publishing deadlines or expectations of fans or any of that stuff to worry about right now, we're allowed to spend this time learning these different modes of thinking and approaching creativity. And they don't always have to be rational and productive. And this is going to set us up so much better when we are commercially successful and we do have those other deadlines because we will have built the basis to flex between where we need to be more quickly. Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. And I I love what you said. Subtle delight is I like that. (laughs) Because, yeah, I mean, the whole process isn't going to be like there are these subtle signs that like subtle connections and subtle feelings that it takes like practice to ground into to see yeah to make those connections that you that you have to to like you know kind of get the idea to the shape it needs to to get to and so do you have any like I guess so yeah being in this receiving stage and we're talking about switching between that and execution like I mean I guess I feel like a lot of this is just intuitive but like how do you know when to switch I guess when you have when you stumble upon that connection or whatever we're like oh I think I'm going to connect these things in this way is it that moment of inspiration that then you go okay now I'm going to go into the execution phase well remember that 
it's not a linear process, right? So there's not, oh, four steps to creating, have an idea, prepare the idea, execute the idea, edit the idea, present it. It's much more flowing. So you might find that if you don't have anything clear to execute, if you wake up in the morning and you're like, I actually, like, I, I don't know, I'm not ready to write a story, then intentionally allow and practice letting stuff in. Yeah. So don't just go and watch Netflix for the sake of watching Netflix, mm. but be intentional with it. So go and watch Netflix, but be like, why am I choosing this show? What do I like about this stuff? What is my body saying? What's sparking me? Exactly what you've been doing. Pay attention to the clues that are in your curiosity. If Netflix isn't your thing, reading your book or walking through nature or drawing or anything that you're curiosity, like trust your curiosity in that stage, right? Because you're, you don't have a clear lead to execute yet. And so then getting curious about why you're curious is (laughs) one of the best ways to learn how to find that lead. But if you wake up in the morning and you're like, yeah, (laughs) if you wake up and you're like, actually, I realize that I want my cheesemaker who's having fun on a hill to suddenly have her village attacked and she needs to pick up her sword and go and learn some things and face some challenges and and this would make an awesome D&D storyline, then I'm going to play with that and execute on it knowing that it might actually be nothing. Right. It, it might actually be the draft of the draft of the draft. And so you may execute a little bit and then find yourself at a dead end or execute a little bit and then find that actually of that, this percent worked and the rest didn't. So you will kind of dip your toe in the water of executing anyway and then reflect on it. The same thing, going back and going, what can I learn from this? What did I like about this? What did I not like? Why have I hit a wall? What is that telling me? Like getting curious about the piece that you've executed, knowing that you don't have to do like a gold star in your first try. It's not like, oh, I've done well and truly enough preparation and now I must execute and it must be perfect. And that's the thing I'm going to, to use forever. You just kind of try it and you try little by little. You don't promise yourself to write an entire thing. You promise yourself maybe to explore a character outline. But if you find that it's been a while and you haven't executed in a while and you start to get a niggling sensation that actually maybe you're procrastinating, then maybe yeah. you should have done more by now. And that is a little bit more legitimate and that sort of fuels your fire to do something about it, then that's a good signal to, right, I need to connect some of the stuff I've been letting in. I need to force myself and set some routines around executing now. Yeah. Because otherwise, if it goes too long, and too long for you might be a couple of weeks, too long for you might be a couple of months, and you'll get to feel that the more projects you do, you'll get a better sense of uh, I'm procrastinating on this and it's either I need to deal with that, whatever's blocking me and stopping me, my fear of success, my fear of failure, my fear of not getting it right, my fear of not having the connections there or whatever it is that's stopping you from actually executing, deal with that. Or it might be that actually this idea doesn't excite you enough yeah, and that it's worth putting down that idea and going back to the drawing board and picking out a new one. And so there's not like a clear answer. Each time it requires this new a beginner's mind to sort of say um 
what is it about this project and is it taking a long time to form these connections because it's a brand new subject and I need to do a year's worth of research? Is it taking this long because I'm scared of something? Is it taking this long because I'm not excited by it? And that will help sort of pick your own adventure <laughs> on your way forward through through the um, creative process. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Well, that's what I've I've been enjoying our conversation so much because I'm taking great pleasure in in ha- approaching going back to a beginner's mindset because it's like okay, I have this impulse to create stuff. I have a million ideas always. I usually always have something cooking, but never really questioned the process too much, whether I even enjoyed the process. Like, so, you know, honestly, so approaching the whole thing, yeah, from just a a calmer, more, yeah, beginner's mindset and and, and curiosity. And I've tried filmmaking and I've, I've spent some time, you know, doing events and doing activism work and writing and then performing. And I guess this year has, you know, provided of kind of this forced pause of like slowing down and letting things settle and and connect and and it's I've been enjoying the opportunity to just breathe for a bit (laughs) before jumping into the next thing and like and yeah think about this process and get more curious and and explore the creative process itself as like something that is enjoyable and to see like how is it the most natural for me I don't know does that make sense Yeah. You're building a skill of learning what your creative process is and you're sharpening the toolkit so that you can reach into your quiver and pull the thing that you need at the right time. Because we have a comfort zone. We have things that we use normally, but that isn't everything we need sometimes. We need to work on some of the other tools. And this process, our conversations together, help highlight what you do well. And they also help highlight some gaps some bridges we need to build between those different things. And it's maybe not making those as good as the stuff that you're naturally good at, but in reflecting on it and developing it and intentionally learning this process of creativity, it empowers you to make better work faster and with more intention. But this first process is slow. You know, this like, okay, I need to learn one thing at a time and I need to really sink into it and immerse into it and learn this skill fully before I can then, you know, what, what do they say about martial arts? Going slow means going fast. So Mm. they do really slow Tai Chi and then they're able to speed that up later. This is like the slow Tai Chi of creativity. (laughs) Yes, exactly. (laughs) That's, that's been like, that's been our approach and it's been so nice to to sit in that because yeah I just tend to go from thing to thing at quite a rapid pace I'm very easily inspired and kind of distracted and I go here to here um and so it's it's been nice to slow down and pause and let things digest and explore the subtle delights as you say I guess it's the same thing with like it's same thing with music when you're when I'm learning a song. Sometimes I'll hear like a, a song in my head and I'm, I'm trying to get it out on the harp or whatever, but I need, to, you need to like play it really slowly so that your fingers can feel where they need to go before you can speed it up to the tempo it's supposed to be. Yes. And if we can do that without beating ourselves up about being slow, that's the magic of the process. Yeah. And I guess, yeah, 
I sometimes consider myself an advocate of the quiet moments of creativity because otherwise they get, they just become an, an opportunity for us to tell ourselves why we're not good enough and why we're not there yet and why we're not fast enough yet. But actually it's really important to go slow sometimes. Yeah. yeah. And to, yeah, exactly. To be gentle. So this has been amazing. Amazing. This is exactly what I had in my mind for the podcast episode. Yay. We have dug in deep and talked about some things and I can imagine people who listen to this who are feeling like I've got lots of ideas and I don't know what to do I imagine it would be really helpful I hope it I hope it is I hope it feels helpful to you thank you for listening to the creativity reflections podcast if you would like to invest in your creativity and magnify your voice and overcome some of those blocks that are keeping you stuck check out my website, creativityreflector.com.